today we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 9 verses 4 through 17 found on your page 1509 in your pew bible if you'd like to follow along sorry if I got to speak closer <clears throat> then John's disciples came and asked him how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often but your disciples do not fast Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrugged cloth onto, on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the, skin will bur the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into the into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Amen. Thank you, Carter. When I was living in Thailand, I met this other missionary to preach a solitary message. He taught solely on hell and God's judgment. When I asked him about it, why he, why he never preached on any other topic, he told me that he was, he was following the model that Christ gave. He said that Jesus taught about hell more than he taught about heaven. Now it's true that, that Jesus spoke of hell frequently, but it, but it seemed to me that to reduce the message of Christ to a single talking point takes away from the power of the gospel. You see, the problem when a person only hears about a single aspect of God's character is that they form a distorted view of who God is. For my friend... He saw God as cold and distant, always to be feared and, and never to be enjoyed. In our text for today, we see something similar going on, as Jesus was questioned about why his disciples did not fast. But before we jump into our story, let's, let's remind ourselves of where we have been. We've been looking at the healing ministry of Jesus and, and noticing this theme of authority. Jesus, this king of kings, has the power to heal sickness and disease. And we saw, too, that, 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 that even nature bends the knee to Christ as he commands the wind and the waves. Then, as, when he traveled to the region of the Gadarenes, he, he came across, when he came across a legion of demons, we saw that these demons were terrified of his authority. And by simply speaking a single word, the word go, he cast those demons out where they found themselves in a watery grave. In another account, we saw the might of our Lord and the fact that he has the ability to see into a person's heart knowing their very thoughts. And he uses such power to distinguish between those who have faith and those who harbor doubt and evil thoughts. And he took, up, took upon himself this claim. He called himself the Son of Man. In other words, he, he claimed that he was God in human flesh, holding the authority to forgive sins. And then finally, last week, we saw Christ feasting 
with such sinners. As he dined at Matthew's house, sitting at, at a table next to tax collectors and, and those of a similar ilk. This led to the, the Pharisees questioning Jesus' disciples in an effort to slander him. You see, Jesus didn't fit the mold of what these Pharisees thought that the Messiah should be. They wanted a king who would come and crush the wicked and uphold the righteous. But Christ corrected them by saying this, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, this son of man didn't come to condemn sinners, but to cure them. But it wasn't only the Pharisees that had a problem with Jesus' eating habits. As we dive into our text for today, we see that the disciples of John also had a question to ask. Look at verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the, and the Pharisees fast, but your, your disciples do not fast? Who are these disciples of John? They are the very ones who followed John the Baptist out into the wilderness. And even though John by this time had been arrested, they, they, they still followed his teachings that they continued to live the way that John lived. What you have to understand is that John was an aesthetic. He was a, he was a person who practiced self-discipline, often abstaining from the luxuries in life, including food. We saw this when we studied Matthew chapter 3, verse 4. It says this, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and, hunt, and wild honey. This is a description of a, of a man who had foregone the, even the simplest pleasures in life, both in what he wore and in what he ate. And he, and he did so because he was preaching a message of warning. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He saw the wickedness of his own people and the, and the judgment that God, that God was about to bring and if they did not repent. And so he took this posture of mourning. This man preached his message not only with his words, but with how he dressed and with how he ate. He was a walking symbol of grief over sin. You see, John's message was one of preparation. He was that voice in the wilderness calling out, prepare the way of the Lord. He preached contrition and a, and a turning from sin. Lest the king arise while one is unprepared and finds himself under the heavy hand of judgment. And so he would fast and wear these clothes of mourning as a sign to his people. Likewise, John's disciples acted in a similar manner. And even though John was now in prison, they were still in preparation mode. That is why when they, when they saw that the disciples of Jesus did not fast, they were puzzled. And so they posed this question to Christ. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Now, unlike the Pharisees, these disciples of John did not resort to slander. 
They went to Jesus directly in order to address their issue. And their question wasn't really a knock on the disciples, uh, the disciples of Jesus, even though it was kind of framed that way. Rather, these men were questioning Christ's ability as a teacher. Jesus was the one instructing these men. And as their rabbi, he was responsible for their behavior. John had taught asceticism, but Christ seemed to teach none of that. The question is, why? As we jump into verse 15, we will find Jesus giving an answer that demonstrates his, his gentle hand as he corrects these men. Let's, let's look at that verse. Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. The illustration that Jesus is using here is simple and easy to understand. It is, he is painting a picture of a wedding. Weddings are not times of mourning or fasting. Rather, they are times of celebration and feasting. On the day that a, that a woman gets married, she is not sad. Rather, she is full of, of great joy. For she sees her husband-to-be, the one, the one she loves with all her heart. And she knows that she will be his forever. For, for their, they will make this covenant with one another, vowing to be together in a loving commitment. And to celebrate their union, they must feast. <clears throat> What Jesus is saying here is that he is this bridegroom. He is the one who, who makes a new covenant with the people of God. He is that messianic figure that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah 54, verses 4 and 5. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called God of all the earth. We see the same thing in the book of Hosea. Look at Hosea 2 verses 16 through 20. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant with them, with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that, that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land, so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. God being, being the, the husband of his people was a common theme used by these Old Testament prophets. And now Jesus is playing off this motif, making the same claim about himself. He is this son of man, God in human flesh, and he has come to claim his bride. And such an occasion requires celebration. 
John the Baptist knew this about Christ, and his disciples should have as well. Look, look at what we read in John chapter 3, verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified, you testified about, well, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The, friends who attends, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. You see, this, this language that Jesus was using with his dis disciples was a reminder to them of what John had already taught them. He, he, John saw his ministry shrinking and it made him full of joy. For it meant that the bridegroom had arrived and that, and that the kingdom of heaven had already begun. These men who were asking Jesus this question had a problem with their theology. They had this picture of God framed in their minds that, that wasn't complete. They, they were stuck with this image of a wrathful God, a God coming in judgment. And being John's disciples, that was the only way that they, that they could relate to him. And in order to appease God's anger, they were living this life of constant mourning and sacrifice. And it's not that John's, teachings, that John's teaching was wrong. It just wasn't the whole picture. They had yet to learn of the God who brings great joy. What about you? How do you see God? Is he this, this mean ogre that is out to get people whenever they cross the line? As you look around at the, at the world around you and you see everything going to hell in a handbasket, do you, do you see God's judgment and his wrath? There are times for such sentiment, but, but, but there, 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 there are times for, for preaching warning and judgment. But there are also times to preach mercy and grace. And with the bridegroom present, the Son of Man who was forgiving sins and eating with tax collectors and other sinners, it was no longer a time to fast but a time to rejoice. As the author of Ecclesiastes states, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, Time to mourn and a time 
to dance. Jesus, this, this, this King from heaven, has, has ushered in a new age. And in this new era, the, the old ways and, and the old traditions were being fulfilled through Him. And to demonstrate what, what He meant by this, Christ, Christ gave to these men two more illustrations. Look again at our text at, at verses 16 and 17. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. The first of these two examples is easy to understand. I mean, anyone who's done laundry should know this. Fabric tends to shrink after being washed, am I right? So if you, if you patch up an old garment using new cloth over time, it will, it will rip away, leaving an even worse tear than what was there before. As for the, the, the wineskins, we see something similar. Back then, they would use, use goat hide to, to make these wineskins. But, but goat skin would give off this bad flavor. So they went through a tanning process that would remove that, that, that icky taste. Now, a freshly tanned goat hide would be pliable and, and be able to expand and contract if necessary. But as time wore on, these skins would become stiff and brittle. Well, new wine, when it, when it ferments, it releases gases. And when these gases are released, these wineskins begin to expand. If the skin is old and brittle, the, the expansion will cause it to burst open, thus ruining both the skin and the wine. So what exactly is Jesus getting at here? This, these symbols, uh, the, the, the cloth uh, and, and the wine and the wineskins. The message is simple. The, this new age, this, this age of the kingdom that Jesus has ushered in has brought about new forms in how man relates to God. They had entered a new season, one where the, where the dwelling place of Yahweh had shifted. No longer would the, would the focus be upon the temple in Jerusalem, for, for God, this, this bridegroom of Israel, had taken upon himself human form and was now walking among them. No longer were the people in mourning as they waited for the appearance of the Messiah, for the, for the good news of the kingdom is that the king had arrived. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and he has come to rescue his people. To fast during such a joyous time would be inappropriate. Dear friends, this same joy has come to each and every one of you. Jesus has entered this world taking upon flesh and becoming a man. He lived a life that you could not. He was sinless in every way. Where you are guilty and deserving of that wrath, He is innocent. And yet, He chose to go to the cross and die for your sins. He took upon your punishment. 
and offers to you freely his righteousness. This, this is the good news. Instead of God's wrath, you are offered forgiveness and mercy. Instead of lament and mourning, you can rejoice. For the bridegroom has come, and there are seats at his table. Maybe you are here today, and your, and your picture of God has been skewed. You feel the weight of his judgment and his, and his fury, never knowing of his kindness and his grace. Perhaps you never realize that God can bring you joy and merriment. The burden of your sins have placed a, a, a dark veil over your eyes, and thus you find no delight in your Creator. If this is you, then, then know this. In Christ, you can have forgiveness. Turn from your sins and trust in Him. Trust in His saving work upon the cross. If you do this, what you will find is that you too will feast with your Lord. You too will be a guest of the bridegroom. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your Son. He came to this earth and, and showed us mercy when he could have delivered justice. Help us to rejoice in this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to live in this new season that is your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.